Hello everyone and welcome to The Laws of Stan. I'm Stanley Rappaport, your host for this show, dedicated to shedding light on the various applications of mathematics in the industry. The goal of this podcast revolves around exploring the usefulness of the mathematical language in different areas of the economy. Indeed, we often, uh, we often know that some jobs and professions heavily rely on mathematics, but we may struggle to understand in what sense. So if mathematics scares you, and if you think this interview is not suitable for you, don't worry, we will take it step by step. So today for our sixth episode, we will discuss the applications of mathematics in the fintech industry and understand how cutting edge technological financial services are built. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Shonik, CEO and co-founder of U Mushroom, a Gen Z interactive investment selection platform. We are very happy to have you today. How are you feeling, Dr. Shonik? Dear Stanley, thank you so much. And if you, if it's okay for you, we can continue with first name. You can call me Luba. I'm okay, very great. happy to. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy to be here, and I think it's an amazing topic. Um, mathematics is key in applying. Um, and finding solution in finance and particularly fintech relies heavily on, on both mathematical concepts and machine learning. And I'm very, very happy to talk about that. So without further ado, could you please begin by introducing yourself and providing some insight into your background, share details about your educational background, prior employment and previous experiences? I'm happy to do so. So I'm originally Bulgarian. I came to study in Switzerland in 1995. I studied economics uh, at the University of Fribourg. Um, and then I continued with a PhD in quantitative finance at the University of Zurich. Um, it was a very interesting and um, innovative time as we were just developing various pricing techniques and models for exotic derivatives. And um, after finishing um, my work in academia, uh, I was also very happy to have the experience to teach young students, uh, do research. And back then, technology was a little bit at a different level. Programming languages were also by far not so sophisticated and easy to use as they are currently now. And um, I'm very much excited to see how the progress has been done since then. So um, I exited academia in 2004 and pursued a career in investment banking. And my first employer was a bank which doesn't exist anymore. It's Lehman Brothers. I was working as a structurer and sales in exotic derivatives. We call them structured products here in Europe. Um, and it was really, uh, how should I describe it? It was the um, gold, if you can compare it probably with the gold rush back then in the USA where people would go and find gold. Very similar with this, was the um, was the atmosphere and the feeling in finance where we would be creating new payoffs. We would be exploring new ways how to restructure risk and re entry um, and uh, portion risk that it would be bearable for different type of investment profiles. Really interesting time. So after Lehman Brothers, I joined Credit Suisse in a similar position in uh, in um, exotic derivatives and further down the road. It doesn't exist either. That's both of the banks for whom I worked are actually, unfortunately, not anymore part of the financial industry. But you have Credit nothing Swiss to do with it. was taken over by uh, UBS. Hmm? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it wasn't a contribution. <laughs> uh, so you were um, saying? No. It, 
I was saying that um, throughout my career at Credit Suisse, I managed to move from the factory, which is the trading floor, as they call it. And each industry has a factory um, quality and product control and selection and a sales department. So I went through all those type of uh, different steps alongside the value chain. And so did my co-founding partner, Tony Zimmerman, who, by the way, joined Credit Suisse from Goldman Sachs. And um, that's where we met 15, 16 years ago in the meantime. And um, what was very fascinating when you move alongside the, the value chain of the banking industries to see not only how the process works, from creating an idea to uh, going through an approval process, to going through a selection process, education of the front people who would be selling this idea, all the way to talking to clients. I had, uh, I had the pleasure to talk to the largest and the most sophisticated clients of the bank. That, is, that was... Um, um, my final destination at Credit Suisse before I moved to Ulysses, where I was responsible for, uh, I had geographical responsibility for Eastern Europe in a, in a, in a group uh, dealing with the largest clients of the bank. And I had responsibility for structured investments and structured credit solutions for certain parts of geographical parts of, of uh, the continent. Very interesting time, a lot to learn. And uh, one of the striking facts was to see how inefficient actually our industry, traditional banking industry is due to the lack of uh, the use of technology. And back then, technology wasn't so advanced as it is now. We're speaking the time from 2006 all the way to 7 to 2013, 14, 15. Um, you'd be surprised, a lot of inefficiencies. We would know very little about um, um the degree of knowledge and the degree of education um, which could be passed to the clients in order to to engage them more intense in the process or more equally weighted in the process of creating investment ideas. Um, generally, one of the major, there are two topics which were very striking. One is uh, how inefficient our production chains are. And second thing is how little we spend with educating our clients on how to invest and how to build wealth. Some bring this not necessary knowledge. Some have very professional setup, but a lot of them nonetheless don't really thoroughly understand how capital markets function. And this is one of the reasons which triggered me and my co-founding partner, Tonya, to start thinking of a different way of engaging with uh, people when it comes to providing uh, investment solutions. And to finish on my background, the last five, year, uh, five years before deciding to step into entrepreneurship function, uh, I worked with a bank called Julius Baer. It's uh, one of the largest private banks here in Switzerland. And I was setting up a team uh, in the field of structured investments um, for the largest clients of the bank. Very interesting time. I learned a lot. I could see a lot how the financial industry communicates to the regular clients out there, regular meaning in the sense of those who are not professional economic background. And um, I got a lot of inspiration what can be done better. Okay, thank you very much for uh, explaining your background before uh, entering your current position. So could you delve into your uh, current activities? Are you fully dedicated to your mushroom now, your company? And additionally, could you elaborate on the exact services that your platform offers and explain the services that you provide and the product you're selling? Happy to do so. So um, my business partner and I, we started brainstorming on what can be done better very actively in 2019. And we were still both working. I was with Julius Baer. She was with Credit Suisse. And towards the end of 2019, we said, if you want to be an entrepreneur, 
you actually should fully jump into it. It's not a side time job. You have to be 100%. And actually, in the first year realities, we are 200% of our time is dedicated to building the company. So we decided to step out of the banking industry of an employed situation and enter the entrepreneurship space. And in early in January 2020, we literally, literally started on a blank sheet of paper and started drafting our ideas and concepts of what we want to do. Um, the platform is Koji Mushroom, inspired by the universe of mushrooms. Maybe you know that this is the third kingdom next to humans and uh, next to animals, I'm sorry, and plants. And mushrooms are fascinated creatures. They are one of the oldest living creatures on planet Earth. They've contributed substantially to life as we know it through by entering into symbiosis with other living organisms. They naturally cooperate with other living organisms and they're interconnected among each other with my, through mycelium and exchange permanent information and grow together. And the other very fascinating feature of the kingdom of mushrooms is that actually there is no major mushroom. It's a community. Everyone is equally weighted and each individual organism contributes to this whole organism as a whole. This is where we got inspired about a vision of a new financial ecosystem and how financial information should be distributed, should be consumed, should be given to anyone as um, um, to anyone should has access actually to this should have access to good and easy understandable qualified financial information, and everyone should be actually empowered to take responsibility for his or her wealth being and really build up wealth in our current times through technology that actually should be possible. And um, this was the inspiration and the kick to start creating the company. And the U in the logo comes from the conjunction, actually from mathematics. That's our first application of mathematics, you know, uniting um, uh, spaces um, and uniting um, uh, manifold. So um, a new mushroom actually is a very nice acronym for your growth. What do we offer? Uh, we offer in a first step, imagine the platform with three layers. It's a financial platform. We have the ambition to build the new global Amazon of financial services. And what we started then is with providing a very easy to understand, well-structured, comprehensive investment universe. If you are a young investor or, or even if you're an experienced investor like I am after 20 years, and I should be theoretically counted experienced investors, me, equally with my friends who never touch finance, experience one very essential struggle. If you want to find an investment product which suits you, it's super difficult to do that. Why is that? It's a huge amount of information. It's a jungle out there. Very few platforms and, very, and the banks as well. Actually, barely any platform, barely any bank really employs to full extent the technological means today in terms of database programming, in terms of search optimization, in terms of algorithm, a, a structured algorithm behind um, managing the data to help you find literally with very few clicks and within minutes what you're looking for. And we said, it's a shame. That's why people don't invest. If you have to spend a whole day, you're not going to touch it. You need to have a quick and easy access to financial information. That's what we did. We built a structured investment universe in a mushroom you find all funds and ETFs allowed for distribution in Europe. These are roughly 120,000 uh, share classes. You find all global stocks and you actually found, find all cryptos. 
uh, and we activate only those who actually have certain quality control. Next step, to build a proper search engine. And that's where we deployed the newest technology of database structuring and programming, because we would love to allow you, if you are a beginner investor, we would love to guide you in a digital way through the platform and accompany you step-by-step on your way to building your first investment strategy, helping you in those points where you actually have uncertainty or lack of knowledge, which most of us actually do at a point of time. And then we would like to provide information. And for the most experienced uh, users, we give fantastic filters, very similar, for example, on Amazon. If you go on Amazon and you're looking for such type of a book, let's say you're looking for book in, in quantum physics and published after the year of 2010, those are three, basically three clicks, three filters, book, quantum physics, publishing year 2000, later than 2010, and you have the results and then you can filter. And that's what we also provide in economy, in, in finance. Simple example, if you say, look, I'm passionate about tech stocks. I would love to know which are the biggest, most profitable tech stocks um, with the highest upside potential over the next six to 12 months, uh, let's say in certain region, US or Europe, on your mushroom, those are three clicks. And if you want to add dividend yield to, to have certain earnings potential, that's an additional filter. And then you have them in a second or in seconds. And this is what we did in the first step. Second step, we made a platform beginner friendly. So if you onboard the first time, what we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to the concept of investing in a very playful way and first figure out from behavioral finance perspective, what type of investor you are. And Stan, it's a fascinating thing to see. We did a lot of questions, questionnaires, and we did a lot of inquiries when we started the platform and we permanently do it with our users, periodically do it, to understand what do people think about investing in money. And a lot of people have blockages when it comes to investing in money. Some people think money is scarce, good, and it comes from our bringing, it comes from culture, history, etc. Other people think that money actually is... Um, something which is just there, but they're indifferent. They don't care. They don't want to spend time with it. Some other people actually are spendthrifts and whatever they earn, they literally give away again in, in purchase, whatever they need or don't need. All those three types of attitude towards money are very interesting to understand the psychological profile of an investor. And we use that in a playful way. And you can log in and see what type of investor you are. Um, we have very funny names. I'm a a responsible nerd, <laughs> given the background and the um, experience. Some of our younger mem team members are you only live once type of investor. And we have happy it's professors teaching. who are indifferent to money, but yeah, anything, eight different types. So that's what we first do. And then in the next step, we would guide you digitally to realize what are we investing for? A lot of people are not at all aware of what they invest for. Uh, buying, a, a, for example, a crypto or a tech stock like Tesla, which has a volatility of 70%, high risk, is not the same as investing in an ETF, which is well diversified, even in equities, etc. So we kind of try to um, give a concrete picture of what you're investing for by asking you, do you invest for education? Do you invest for future housing? Do you invest for, for retirement, etc., etc.? Or do you just invest for fun and for buying perks? You would have different type of um, behavior. And then we ask you, how much risk are you ready to bear? 
And for those of you out there who are listening and wonder how do we measure risk, we measure it through volatility. And the concept of volatility is directly linked to the maximum possible loss which you can incur in one year. Uh, in, let's say, 66% of the cases or 99% of the cases, this is linked to statistical concepts. And that's where we already start implying mathematics. And mathematics is a fantastic uh, tool to um, explain people how the world functions. Com combining the world of numbers, the world of data, with actually everyday outcomes which we experience. So to give you an example, if you, for example, um, invest in equities and say, I'm picking up a stock which has a volatility of 30% per year, volatility is naturally measured per year. That would mean that in two thirds of the, um, a little bit more than 66% of the, of the time within an year, you may lose up to 30% of what you're investing into of your invested um, capital. If, of course, there are no black swan events, no random events, no random unpredictable um, issues or geopolitical risks. And in roughly 97, 98% of the cases, you may even lose up to 60%. So that gives you already a feeling, okay, if I invest in these stocks, what are the extreme scenarios which I would, uh, I should accomplish? But the same also accounts on the, on the, a profit side, you can win up to 30% or 60%. Now I'm giving this example, assuming a natural drift, uh, an expected return of zero. Obviously, if you have a different expected return. We need to account for that too. And this is how we already start applying mathematics very early on our platform. But to come back to what we offer, we offer data. We offer financial education for those who really need it. And we also build a community with the motto and a movement with the motto, Know Your Worth because a lot of people are not aware that their money actually has a voice and they could use it. By investing and supporting companies, you actually provide financial means and support causes in which you believe to shape the future. So I guess it is well known that finance relies uh, heavily on mathematical concepts to the extent that quantitative finance is playing an increasingly uh, significant uh, role in industry, as we said, uh, previously when you, you worked at uh, Lehman Brothers. So like with the emergence right now with, of uh, machine learning algorithms, predicting the, the prices of uh, financial instruments over time. Um, but how would you describe the application of mathematics in the fintech world? And particularly at U-Mushroom, uh, you mentioned some concepts, but would you say it leans more uh, towards mathematical finance or machine learning and data science? And is it more like uh, a statistical, probabilistic, or um, analytical approach that you're, you're using uh, with mathematics in the fintech world? Uh, that's a very interesting question. Thank you. Um, so we actually use both. We used uh, econometrics and, as you say, statistical concepts to uh, estimate the best possible benchmark, for example, for you. So if you construct a portfolio, uh, let's say a certain portfolio of um, random stocks, what we're going to provide you in addition are possible ETFs. And you know, ETFs, exchange traded funds, are actually a replication of the largest equity indices or the largest bond indices, etc. But let's stay in the realm of equities because it's easier to explain the concept. Most of people have natural link to equities. If I construct a portfolio of, let's say, 10, 15 stocks, that would be a good diversified portfolio. And then if I would wonder... Um, 
is there a kind of a benchmark which would make sense for me to measure myself, my investing skills to? The platform would suggest that to you. It would show you ETFs, which are pretty well correlated to your portfolio and which you may consider to apply as a benchmark. And this allows you two things. First, you may wonder, are, is that the most efficient way to invest in your concept? Because um, depending on where your trade equity is through, the transactional costs which are incurred with that, uh, and you may want to consider to buy the, this suggested ETF because the ETF would be a good, a very cheap way to invest into, and it automatically rebalances, right, depending on the moves of the uh, under, underground underlying basket index. So you don't have to bother with rebalancing. You don't have to bother with, you know, investing time into thinking when to reshape um, the portfolio. But you may still decide to stick to your portfolio and strategy because you want to prove that you're creating an alpha, an excess alpha, i.e. an excess return towards the broad market. And if you decide to continue sticking to your strategy, that would allow you one day when you're applying for a potential job in finance as an asset manager to showcase a track record of your skills. And you can say, look, I'm investing, for example, in US large stocks. Um, I managed to outperform my index over a period of time by so and so much percent. It's pretty difficult because US, uh, US large US stocks is a very liquid market. It's very difficult to create alpha there. But you may choose another strategy. You may go for small and mid caps. You may decide to invest in certain newcomers in the fintech or whatever, in financial uh, tech industry, etc. Long story short, we apply statistical concepts or econometrical concepts to showcast um, what is the best match benchmark for your behavior. And if you decide to stick with your strategy, we allow you to measure your alpha generating capacities. This is one thing. Another thing which we actually use is, and we are going to apply starting from next year is actually machine learning very actively. And why is that? <clears throat> we collect data. And we are one very, very big chunk of our work is focused around collecting data. Obviously, within uh, the legal, legally allowed um, structures of our of um, of the current regulation in Europe and Switzerland, so we connect uh, collect anonymous anonymized data to understand the behavior on the platform of our users. And why would we do that? It's very interesting, for example, to know when our users log in, what type of products are they looking into, uh, what type of strategies they are constructing. And this information combined with the information which we get from you as an investor helps a lot to understand how can we support you in your behavioral as an investor in, in your investing investment building habits on the way to become a successful investor. Example, a lot of people do classical mistakes and would exit the markets too quickly when they dip. They would sell high and buy low. They would, sorry, they would buy high and sell low. This is a classical beginner mistake because people panic when the marks, uh, marks, markets move in a correcting mode, etc. Through machine learning, you can actually support people and say, look, um, this is a typical behavioral mistake. You may consider to stay invested. You may consider to start uh, with an amount of money which you are ready to lose. Uh, you may consider to start with amount of money. You, you, we, you may consider to pursue a long-term strategy investing over the next 20 years where you would actually systematically put certain amount to cash on the compounding effect and would not be bothered about, you know, the smooth swings of the markets, which they have day in, day out. Uh, or if you are a person who is actually more into 
trading and that's not yet developed that's we're going to develop it at the later stage point of time you would obviously help you to navigate through uh periods of time where you may consider to really cash on the returns and exit a stock position or stay and build it up etc long story short what we want to do is to use machine learning deep machine learning to support people in certain behaviors avoiding certain mistakes so which apis uh, have been implemented on the platform and uh, were there any that posed uh, like greater challenges in implementation due to quantitative reasons and could you also explain uh, very quickly what's an api when it comes to to fintechs happy to so prior to you should think of uh, up to 2010 for example probably plus minus with certain is difference maybe also earlier the way the data was transformed was a different one apis allow for a very quick connectivity uh in the in the data field and data transfer an api stands for application, application programming interface interface exactly and those are protocols of how to basically transfer data, technical pro programming protocols on how to pr transfer data. APIs allow for um, almost instantaneous transfer of data, huge amount of data with different data set classes. And thanks to APIs, actually the whole fintech world could arise. Um, we implement traditional APIs when it comes to feeding our market data from um, large data providers like the Swiss Stock Exchange, FactSet, More, uh, uh, Morningstar, etc. Um, and this allows us basically to imp import different type of data sets and then again use them on the platform for different reasons. For example, if you, one of the big, the toughest fields from, program, from uh, Data, database perspective is the field of funds and ETFs because they have multiple layers. They have a layer such as financial information, descriptions of the investment strategy, which is pure text and financial information, which is linked to their performance, risk, um, a size of the, uh, of the fund, et cetera, et cetera. And then on top, there is another layer which tells you, depending on the type of person you are in terms of domicile and nationality, which are the funds and ETFs you can buy and which are the funds and ETFs you can actually not touch because they're not open for your jurisdiction or you're not the type of client they're meant to if you're a retail client and not a professional client, for example. And this is a type of information, this very heterogenic type of information we actually import through APIs from different providers. And the user has a unique experience, a seamless experience in getting what he needs, interacting with the platform without obviously having to go through all those manual processes, which back then in banking 20 years ago would be entirely manual. Another thing which we are currently working on, and that is a little bit in challenge as a challenge in Europe, for example, or particularly in Switzerland, is um, integrating trading on the platform because you can't trade directly through your mushroom at that point. It's basically entirely paper portfolios and simulation and, and learning and practicing playground. And what we're currently working on starting as of uh, November, uh, as of now, actually, we're already in early stage of implementing that with uh, one of our largest partners, uh, the largest fintech is the Swiss court here, um, is to implement connectivity to trading. 
So if you have, we don't want you or anyone else to have to move certain funds or resource, financial resources from your bank or broker and open an, a brokerage account with your mushroom. That would be very cumbersome for you because you probably already have two, three bank accounts. What we want to facilitate you is through technology is that you can plug in the interface of your mushroom and your paper portfolio to your um, trading account through your uh, through your bank or brokerage account. So if you trade, for example, with 212, trade 212, that you are allowed to seamlessly trade with one click through our platform. And that is also happening through APIs. And um, this is a huge chunk of work at the moment because different jurisdictions provide different access. In Switzerland, for example, banks, we don't have still the open banking system. In vast part of Europe, it's also not entirely ap applied. Some jurisdictions are more advanced than others. And we expect in the coming years a huge revolution in this field where you basically would be able to seamless select data and trade in one go. Um, and you would actually basically, through, thanks to the technology of APIs, the value chain in banking is entirely deconstructed. You can say, I want to stick with this broker because if you're comfortable there, they have cheap, they have zero cost uh, fees in terms of certain transactions. They have zero depot fees, but I want to select on your mushroom, for example, because they give me a, a very good tool. And then again, I want to get, I don't know, some additional services uh, from a third fintech through APIs. You would be able to integrate this in one unique service experience for you. And by that, you would actually have three, four different providers constructing a traditional value bank value change, which 20 years ago or 10 years ago was actually provided by one bank. So have you also so developed your, your own models to enhance the platform with additional features such as uh, like credit scoring as it's uh, very, uh, very um, known in the fintech industry or any other functionalities? You mentioned that you have implemented um, rating tools um, as well as customer persona profiles. Uh, which type of investor are you? Um, how challenging were uh, they to create? And could you provide a more in-depth explanation of these features and those models that you have um, implemented within the fintech, within your mushroom? I'm happy to. So maybe to first to, to answer immediately your first questions, we don't provide credit models, uh, credit risk scoring for the users because uh, by nature we are not exposed. Yes. Uh, by nature, we are not exposed to, you know, providing uh, credit. So risk uh, credit scores would be more um, in terms of um, if you're lending, if you're a lending platform. Who knows, maybe one day if we really manage to build up a global ecosystem, we may come to that point where we provide really lending. Also this in, on top of it. But where we use um, uh, these aspects are, as you say, investment profile. And it was challenging in the sense to understand what are the relevant parameters in order to create relevant investment profiles. So we had to test that to see, um, we developed a questionnaire and depending on this questionnaire, um, we had to figure out um, what type of investor you are in terms of one major dimension is money, attitude to money, scared, i.e. saver, neutral, or on the other extreme spender. The second one, your, your perception to risk and your degree of risk aversiveness, which is a numeric category from one to 10. And the third one was... Um, 
uh, the degree of knowledge. And we actually, um, where we use um, Mathematico, um, but it's not exactly modeling, it's more programming and, and um, UX digital experience is depending on what type of investor you are to navigate you through the platform in a different path and show you different stuff. Um, where we use mathematical models is uh, to figure out how to provide you financial information in the most objective way. We put a lot of, so mathematics actually helps financial platforms to be neutral. Banks would show you typically products from which they naturally in one way or the other earn most, but those are not necessarily um, the same type of products which are the best for you. And um, we spend a lot of time of thinking what would be the most neutral way and how to imply mathematics to provide you when you log in and you're, let's say, um, a future nerd or you're, I don't know, a happy professor or whatever you are as a type, how to show you, depending on your investment target, your risk profile and your return expectations, how to show you those products which objectively would be most interesting for you. And we have determined financial criteria, objective criteria in terms of size of funds, performance, risk category, which obviously would be the, the criteria which would rank the funds, the ETFs which you would see. Another place where we allow use a lot of mathematics is to help you understand the correlation between risk of return. A lot of people are actually not aware that depending on the type of potential loss you're ready, maximum potential loss you're ready to bear in your investments, that would automatically limit how much you can earn. And these are also, we provide simple calculation techniques for people to get used to uh, independence of how much risk you can bear, what investment horizon you have and in which currency you're acting, what expected return you can have. So this is also another place where we use mathematical models to, to, to program and to navigate. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, this is pretty much it. We have a lot of further implications which are going to be programmed 2024. This is when you create a portfolio, all the different ratios and financial analytics around it, like, for example, the sharp ratios, the, the all the various ratios in terms of risk. Um, we are going to provide also um, a lot of... Um, different interactivities like other portfolios with the same risk return category with same share price category with same industry uh with same tail risk etc etc so we're going to help further to create those type of groups to which you belong as a type of investor and showcast you what kind of what your behavior means in terms of mathematical concepts and in terms of analytical concepts from performance portfolio performance analytics perspective so it sounds very hypothetical, but happy to show it also with examples. Um, thank you very much for uh, enlightening the abstract world of mathematics in fintech industry and explaining in a somewhat simple way how mathematics helps you in your area of expertise. So I have one last question. Um, what is your vision regarding the importance of uh, financial technological tools for the financial revolution? Um, do you believe that online banks and trading platforms will eventually replace the institutions that were once the most powerful in the world? Um, or do you think that they can coexist simultaneously in the future? Oh, that's an excellent question. Thank you. 
I think that going forward in the next five to 10 years, we're probably going to see a huge reshapement in the financial industry. Um, I don't think that banks would disappear because banks have a, still a very solid, safekeeping image, which we have in our minds, where we would deposit the money. But I think that the functions uh, of the value chain in finance would substantially change thanks to technology, thanks to the API, uh, thanks to the open banking platforms, and thanks to the fintech uh, community, which is reshaping exactly the value chain. And as mentioned, I think we're heading into... Um, time and an era where you as a user would be able to say, I want this branch of the value chain, i.e., for example, safekeeping to come from a bank, like let's say Barclays. I want this trading to be done mainly through, let's say, I don't know, trade 212. I want to do selection through another fintech, let's say you mushroom. I want to receive education from a fourth fintech. You'd be able to create your own financial ecosystem of services because technology would allow you. And I think it's going to head into coexistence, but the dominance of the traditional banking industry is substantially going to be reduced. And banks would be forced to become more inventive and creative. Um, it's very difficult for a bank to be inventive and creative because the technology has been developed over years. And if you want to change something, it has humongous uh, implications for all services. Uh, fintechs are much more agile and much more quick in applying new technology. So that's why I think you're going to see a togetherness of both to create a new ecosystem to democratize um, services which were not accessible to users before, to the regular retail users, as we call them in banking. And I think for the next time, yes, uh, banks would definitely um, lose on their, um, how do you say, monopoly state position which they currently have, and fintechs would take over a huge chunk of the um, value chain and it would be a togetherness. Uh, ultimately, I think everyone will profit. Ultimately, the users will have a much more access to different type of services, new form of services, cheaper, quicker, easier, and banks and fintechs would evolve further. And it's good that we're going to have a competition and an innovation, innovative setup. Technology allows that. So to, to conclude, could you give uh, a piece of advice to a young student or a freshly graduated uh, student who wants to delve deeper in this exciting world that is either um, investment banking or uh, fintechs? I'm very happy to give one uh, very simple advice. Start investing as early as possible. Start with a very small amount of money which you're ready to lose and it won't hurt you. You can actually nowadays with the brokers outside uh, out there which are zero cost depot fees zero cost transaction fees you can really start with as little as uh, i don't know one two ten twenty pounds uh, per month and start regularly building wealth and the easiest way to start is the two types of behavior you can either start investing into an etf which if the world continues to be the same as we know it so far would allow you to really grow your wealth through the compounding effect and if you also, in addition to that, want to practice a little bit, selecting stocks and, you know, playing this trading game, you can do that with certain stocks or cryptos, whatever you feel comfortable with, but never invest in something which you don't understand. Spend time to educate yourself and start regularly. Build your investment habit. One thing, keep in mind, time into market beats market timing. We keep saying that. There is no such thing as optimal market timing. 
to enter the markets. You may be very lucky, but those are very few out there. So whenever you exit, start investing, start regularly, month by month or whatever frequency you need. You're going to average your entering costs, entry costs, uh, entry levels of um, investment, and it will take away the fear of you. Start investing, build your investing habits, start with small, invest in what you know. Thank you very much, Luba. It was a very interesting episode. Um, thanks to all the listeners and see you in the next episode of The Laws of Stan. Goodbye. Thank you.